Welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And we're going to talk about Love, Simon, which I dragged Mike to. He didn't have to drag me to. I just thought from the trailer it didn't look that fun. Yes. Well, so I dragged you to it. I had a good time. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to know, actually. So what do you think? Yeah, I had a good time. Um, I think it's got its issues, but I think the issues are not with the filmmaking. They're more with certain things about representation I think actually the storytelling is really good I think the characterisation is pretty good the actors are very good uh, it made me a bit teary once or twice I think it hits the right notes and um, I, can't, I, I, I I like the relationship between the characters I like the ending uh, it sort of it, it did the job in a okay. way well I kind of I have mixed feelings about it really because I I I I mean, I love teen movies and I love romantic comedies. And in a way, this is both, you know, the only thing that's different about it really is that it's gay, right? It's, it's kind of, you know, I, I, uh, the protagonist is this gay guy who's coming out and he's hiding it from his friends. And, and it's a very romantic story and it's done in that vein, really. Um, so, and I really very much wanted to like it, yeah, because... It's kind of extraordinary to have, you know, a mainstream teen sl- film slash romantic comedy in which the protagonist is gay. Uh, and it's nice to see these kinds of films being done with a budget, right? So Yeah, I think $17 million. Yeah, it's, it's kind right. of, it's quite a budget for, you know, for what is really a, a kind of a gay yeah. film. Um, so so the, the plot is, uh, the, the premise at least... Is uh, there's this kid at school uh, who's 17 years old and he's gay, and that, that that's no revelation. Like he knows he's gay, but he's keeping it a secret from everybody. Yes. Um, he starts this this anonymous email correspondence with someone else at the school who's done an anonymous blog mm. saying that they're gay. Mm. So and through this, they they don't know who each other are, but they kind of fall in love with each other over uh, this email correspondence. At the same time, he's contending with. Uh, how how is he going to come out, or is he going to come out even to uh, his friends and family? And there's also this other kid who kind of inveigles his way into his life, who starts to ruin things for mm. him by blackmailing him. He finds out about these emails and blackmails him. Mm. Uh, that's that's the, the the gist of the plot. And then from here on, I guess spoilers. Yes. Um. So it it, ha- it has a kind of it, it feels like any sort of teen movie you'd care to mention, right? It's quite yes. light. It's, it's on the more indie sort of side, the, the feeling of it. Mm. Something more like um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, was it? I think it was, yeah, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It just it had that similar sort of feeling to it. But, uh, but I mean, it's not sort of... That's not a particularly notable thing. Like, it's just... It's on that sort of area, as opposed to being like a gross-out comedy or something like that. Yes. It's on the more sort of family-friendly-ish sort of side. Yes. I mean, what I liked about it, really, is that... It feels supported by a budget, so it's slicker than any other type of than any other film I've seen in this type before. Uh, it's got stars, you know, so uh, Jennifer Garner uh, and Josh Duhamel. Actually, Josh Duhamel. I was, you know, when I first saw him, I thought, "Who is that cute, you know, father?" And then I realized, "Oh my God, it's Josh Duhamel, and he's gray." So you know, so so it feels kind of that feels like a kind of a support you know, for 
um, what must have been a bit of a chance to make this type of film at this budget, really. Uh, and I think it works, though. I, I also think it's not particularly well done, actually. I mean, there were moments that, you know, uh, I liked very much, and there were moments that also just made me squirm. Uh, and I thought, kind of, there were moments that were really off. Or actually, when you, when you were saying, you know, the story's very well told, I actually think some things were a bit leaden and heavy-handed. I thought the whole blackmail thing, you know, for me didn't work, right? Sure. Like, you know... Uh, um, and I thought the character who played the blackmailer, the actor who played the blackmailer, to me really graded. Yeah, like it was slightly off key. Okay, I mean, I, I felt like he, he, he was annoying. He was but annoying. That, that was his character. Like, I think it felt like... I mean, there was even a certain point where... Uh, he, uh, there was one sort of point right at the start where you met him where I thought, oh God, he reminds me of me. At that time, <laughs> fucking up, and, not, and, and, and it, it went away. It went away, but it was a whole thing about sort of the, the way in which it, his personality was grating and kind of just by its nature kept people away, and also the fact that he wore fucking t-shirts that people can read. Mm. I, I did that all the time when I was that age. Mm. Oh, disgusting! <laughs> and I had long, greasy, horrible hair. Um, so like, the, uh. but but then there were other parts to his character which. You know, did, did not uh, sort of remind me of me. Thank God. Yes. I mean, the whole thing about blackmailing another kid, and and then and being so desperate to try and seduce this other girl—that wasn't me. No, I think that was all kind of horribly handled. I mean, I'm I'm sure they could have come up with a with a different plot point, really, or hand or done that plot point better. You know, you can't have a whole thing of you can't have a blackmailer who's about to potentially ruin somebody else's life. And then turn it into a light romantic comedy where he's courting a girl and being turned down and it's meant to be funny because the whole horror of it, for me, overhangs all of the rest of those bits, really. I, I didn't feel that. I've got to say, I didn't feel it had an issue with tone there. I thought, you know, there were lighter moments and there were darker moments, but um, you never... I, I don't think the film ever sort of tried to hide the fact that what this guy was doing was horrible. Mm. But it's also like the guy... Um, the guy is not even quite aware of just how horrible he's been because then when it all comes out and when, mm. when he when he when he's ruined the chance with the girl because it was never meant to be anyway, um, and then he he reveals to everyone that Simon's gay, like that's when it hits him. Mm. What a dick he was being and how horrible it is mm. um, up to a point at least. I, I think so that there's an element of sort of not knowing, it, like he's so lost in his own idea of what his life's going to be that he doesn't realise how awful he's being to somebody else until mm. it becomes real. I um, I thought it was all pretty formulaic. Yeah. Um, and not particularly inventively done. Um, I feel nonetheless that it's kind of like a step forward. I can imagine, you know, gay tweens really reveling in it and being it, it being a very meaningful film for them because it's probably the kind of thing they never really expected to see. You always mm. have... You know the gay as 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 the um, heroine sidekick, or you know as the humorous character in the film, as mm. part of a gang or something. But you know to make him so clearly the protagonist, and you know, uh, uh, and to make him like you know the person who desires and whose desires you are made to understand. I think that's quite novel. Um, I do feel, however, that kind of you know people who were who were who were complaining 
about you know how trite and uh, and so on uh, call me by your name is will have conniptions at this because it's just so such basic filmmaking really well there are a couple of things that you made me think about that which I want to pick up on so the first is the idea of the audience and, and I'm glad you mentioned calling by your name because I was going to bring it up um, so the idea that there are there's a whole kind of swathe of people who who will uh, this film is really for yes. and will be quite affected by it and will consider it kind of their movie yes. um, do you think I mean in a way, I think the film is a lot more accessible and and that makes it valuable than uh, Call Me By Your Name. I agree. I mean, I think the film, to me, seems directly aimed at young gay boys and, and young girls. Mm. Yeah, that seems to me to be the core audience for this film. Um, so, and that is a very different audience than the audience that, you know, I felt... Uh, 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 was addressed by Call Me By Your Name, which is really like an art house audience. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and the general one at that. I, I'm not sure there was a specific gay address in it. Um, uh, or, or there is to a degree. Well, I think it probably, I think Call Me By Your Name maybe doesn't have a specific address, but it will speak to it, people of different generations and different cultures in different ways. It did. So, I mean, kind of you and, and the guys of your age who you've been friends with for a long time will have reacted to that film as, sort of, I mean, it's set in the early 80s, right? So there's yes. a kind of whole history that comes with early 80s, pre-AIDS. That's right. Uh, sort of um, a, a much more homophobic society back then, which you brought to it, which someone younger would not have. Yes. And actually, one of the things that I want I want to say, just while we're talking about this, so I, I have mixed feelings about Love, Simon. I mean, I kind of liked it, but I also feel, you know, that as a teen film, it's, it's, it's far from being the best or, you know, even a particularly sparkling example of it. On the other hand, I'm very, very glad to see it, and I was very glad to see it, and I'm also very glad to see it in conjunction with all of the films that have come out this year that feel addressed in some way to a gay male audience. And I'm speaking here roughly about, you know, things like Moonlight, not so far... What was the British film as well? I don't know. Uh, God's Own Country, okay. uh, uh, which was marvelous, uh, but but also there was you know uh, the the film about the miners, uh, you know, uh, uh, and early gay activists in support of the miners. And it's now escaping me with the oh film. Pride Pride. That's that's about two thousand and fourteen, I think. But okay, yeah. yeah. So so Moonlight, Pride, God's Own Country, Beach Rats, uh, Call Me by Your Name. Uh, and uh, the, just a few days ago, I saw 120 beats per minute, and I'm sure I'm missing things. You Blue know. is the warmest color, addressed to a female audience. That's right, Blue is the warmest color, which was fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, so to have this whole spate of films in which none of them have to bear, you know, what, what was called the burden of representation. I.e., if there's only like one film or one film that comes out every five years. You know, yeah. people get kind of mad at it because they expect it to represent everybody and everything. And yeah. yeah, but actually, kind of what I think is so good about the spate of films released at this moment is that they don't have to bear that burden. That they can, you know, they can be themselves and address only particular issues and be judged only in, in kind of what they try to be, right? So you know, because you have a tween film like this, and because you have an art film, and because you have a film that's kind of, you know, the, the, the protagonists are black and gay, and so, like, not one single film has to cover everything. Well, yeah, it allows gay culture to not have to be monolithic. So I was very glad to see this as a mainstream, 
you know, a medium budget uh, a genre film uh, with stars, a very typical of its kind. So mm. on the lower end of a budget, but you know, but it feels like like a studio film, really. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it is. It, it's interesting. It is notable for its budget. People have been talking about the fact that it cost seventeen million dollars, but weirdly, I don't. It doesn't strike me as a huge risk for a studio. It, it it's not on. I don't think it is so expensive that it's that it's un, unfeasible. And I think that uh, it's kind of it's addressed in a in a kind of inclusive and friendly enough way that you I don't really see anyone taking a great deal of offence to it. Like uh, in, in terms of in terms of a, a a business risk, it doesn't strike me as one really. Right. Well, we'll see. we'll see. I mean, you know, I expect it'll be successful because the crowd. But it's already made twice its budget. Has it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, it does strike. Like I say, it, I, although I think you can you can find flaws with it, and we'll get onto it. I guess. Um, it, it strikes me as ultimately a, a, a nice kind of pleasant, intelligent enough, sensible sort of teen movie. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it, fun enough and, and funny enough. It and is. It sensitive. is sensitive. You know, and and like I said, you know, I enjoyed it. Though I think there were moments where, you know, I kind of mm. just. <laughs> got irritated by by things not being very well done. So, for example, you know, the whole of the last scene where, where they're in the um, Ferris wheel or whatever it's yeah. called, you know, I thought, like, this has the potential to be so great visually, if nothing else, mm. right? Like, you've seen Ferris wheels used so evocative. Some came running, or, you know, you know like, it, it has such visual potential, that scene. And it just kind of felt, like, so flat and dull and kind of false and... You know, yeah. Like, visually, it was not a great treat. I mean, it wasn't unpleasant, but it just wasn't imaginative, really, yes. or, or that evocative. Um, um, you're right. One of the things that I love about teen films is, you know, the way that they're using the phones and the texting, and you know, some films like um, what was the one with the girl who was in the Harry Potter films? There was one. I don't oh, know what uh, it was called the, the, the Coppola one. No, the secret of being a wallflower or something like that. Maybe oh, getting perks of being a wallflower. Something. something. Like that. She was in one of those films <laughs> where I was really struck by, you know, how the texting was used visually so imaginatively, and it cut across space, and you know, the the narrative used, you know, the texting both visually and narratively in such interesting ways. Hmm. That's not here, right? Like it's the film's not. No, this is very uh, traditional. You, you show a shot of the screen yes. with the text on it. Um, but I, mean, I didn't hate that. I just thought it it, it wasn't, uh, you know, kind of overdoing it. No, I, <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. In fact, I liked it, but it just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like special or sparky or anything. But yeah, uh, yeah I didn't mind that to be to be honest. Okay. Um, I didn't feel like it was lacking. Yes. Uh, in that respect, I thought what was interesting for me. And unusual, and I and I could see that there's a, a policy behind it, is the casting, right? So, uh, you know, Nick Robinson is Simon, and I thought that was an interesting choice because he's not particularly handsome, you know, and you don't get a sense of like a new star. Because, yeah, he's, he's actually no, he's not he's no Timothy Chalamet. He's not a Timothy Chalamet. But he's cute enough. Like I think he looks. No, no, but I I think actually that might have been a policy to yeah. cast someone who you know who's quite good but who's quite ordinary looking. So you know the quite ordinary yeah. everybody could be a gay person. Right? Well, he but, certainly has to uh, have that sort of. His character is unremarkable in school. No one really. I mean, he's and got he a group sets. of friends, but he's no particularly. He's not. He's not special, and he's not remarkable to any 
one in particular. So that's right. That that's sort of. Is what there a remark made about him being eighth choice or eighth best right. or you know I so so the sense of ordinariness of you know uh, is I think part of the film's uh, 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 deliberate kind of. Uh, um, message is trying to get across, right? That he's just an ordinary yeah. person, right? And actually, that's built into the film. You were Simon before, and you're Simon now, right? Like, yes. it's just you can be more fully yourself, but you're ordinary. But I actually wish that the film had cast somebody with, you know, more star quality. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what makes it, that's what puts it on that sort of, uh, like I say, me and Earl and the Dying Girl sort of thing for me, like that the way in these films people are fairly ordinary and that's part of the attraction really like they're not they're not kind of outstandingly beautiful or outstandingly mm. sort of sort of notable it's really the attraction is and the point, point of those films is these are kids like you or I used to be <laughs> I know I know well I mean I just feel kind of obviously like a tension there because you know like uh, uh, Josh Duhamel who's not a big star or Jennifer Garner who is also not a particularly big star kind of you know they appear and they kind of make you feel like watching, you know, just their very presence, right? Mm-hmm. And also, who's the the high school principal? Oh, uh, uh, Tony Hale. He, yeah, I thought the he was wonderful. The vice principal. I thought he was wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there's just something about kind of, you know, those people that makes you feel sure. like... There's a bit more charisma to them. Yeah. Um, so so the lack of it in the uh, in the central character yeah. is... I know it's policy, but it also feels like a slight lack. No, I get that. I, I, it, it did feel appropriate there. And I don't feel... He's not like a blank slate. I mean, he's got a character and he's and he's a good performer as well. Yes. So I think it's not it's not a disaster. That no, he, no, no. Far from it. it uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's more like those, those, those secondary characters get to be characters because they have these smaller roles to fill and actually yes. he's got more on his shoulders in a way. It's true, but you know, that would be an particularly, argument. For... Particularly the vice principal who gets to be silly all over the shop, but you only see him like four times. And, yes. You know, and he makes a... the most of it, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but this, this, the other thing that I wanted to get onto, and this may be slightly related to it, the other thing that I wanted to get onto from what you said earlier, you spoke about how uh, gay people used to be or would otherwise be uh, the side characters, the comic relief or, or yes. uh, some, some secondary role that would you know, kind of inform or reflect on a main character who was straight. Um, and obviously in this, the main character is gay, so that's a, that's a, sort of a mark of progress. Mm. But there is a secondary gay character in this who's a kind of different kind of gay, if you like, yes. who I wonder if you feel like he was not handled that well or not treated that well or was slightly marginalised. So it's his character who um, is black and quite effeminate. I don't know if there's a, a, a term for it. Yeah, he's quite queenie. Quite queenie, I guess. Okay, so um, quite effeminate. And there's, there's, this, there's this kind of comic scene where he comes out to all his girlfriends and they're all like, they're trying to feign surprise, but they can't do it because it's, it's been yes. so obvious that he's gay. <laughs> and you see him uh, get bullied... Every now and again, there are these two two kids who who pick on him particularly, who are mm. kind of jockey mm. sort of types, um, who take the piss, and he he sort of uh, kind of like he dismisses them, and he whatever claps mm. back or whatever the term is, you know, mm. sort of uh, with with a, a, some wit and you know a sharpness of tongue, mm. um, he he tells them to fuck off basically, mm. and you see your main character sort of in the background, kind of. Sort of, sort of hiding, slightly cringing, maybe, but then also being kind of impressed that 
that this other character is, is able to 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 stand up and be openly gay. Um, but I I do feel like he's not a comic relief character. You don't kind of laugh at him because he's uh, so uh, flamboyant or anything like that. That's not it at all. But there's a point where um, the two of them are sat together. They've been called to the principal's office because they've had sort of coming together with the, the homophobes. And they're talking to each other. And I guess I wanted more from that conversation because there's a line where your main character says to the very flamboyant guy that it's so easy for you being gay. Mm. Um, and the, the flamboyant guy responds, are you joking? Like, it's really, really hard. And uh, I can't remember exactly. And he tells the story about, you know, how his mother lies about him and having girlfriends to his grandparents when they go to right. on Sunday and so on and so forth. So I understood the point of that scene, which was to show there's a, there's a kind of different kind of experience or that life isn't what you think and that, uh, and that you, the main character's been kind of so sort of caught up in himself that he doesn't realise that it can be difficult for somebody else. But it felt disingenuous to me somehow. Actually, I think you're getting at something. I've only just realised from what you're saying. Um, but I think what you're pointing to, to, which I agree, is that actually the film is setting up a hierarchy of gayness, right? So the function of that black queenie character is to shore up the normality of the central character. Yes. And in doing so, it's creating a hierarchy, so, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you, the, you could be gay and normal and be like Simon, and that's so much better than being like a queenie black gay kid who gets bullied and is made fun of. And yeah. Yeah, like it does set, it, you're right. Well, what strikes me about it, thinking about it, is um, it, sort of, it sort of seems kind of brave or, or, or whatever to, to, to do this kind of teen movie about kind of realising who you are or, or coming mm. of age. Um, but with a, a a gay guy, but then actually you kind of, I I think that and I remember maybe calling by your name was a similar sort of thing where again the gay guys are, quote unquote normal like they they're not flamboyant they're not kind of obviously gay to the outside world, mm. um, and and, I think you're meant to sort of think, you know, that homosexuality there's such a stereotype of flamboyance around homosexuality that you kind of don't realise that gay people can cannot be flamboyant and can just be like anybody else. And, mm. um, but actually, wouldn't it be much braver to do a film like this where your main character is really different, like visually and kind of behaviourally different? I, I think you're right. And actually, the film wants to have it both ways because, of course, the thing is that Simon is in love with this guy who he doesn't know what he looks like and he thinks it could be several people. And at the end... You know, that person is revealed, you know, as this mixed race guy who's Jewish and gay. So, yeah, he's black, Jewish and gay. Yeah. And so, you know, so and that is the, the object of desire, except you haven't seen him be the object of desire, really. The, you know, that whole plot point is shot as a revelation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, who that blue is could have been one of a number of people, including him until the film cheats and makes you think that it's not the guy who it turns out to be. Yeah, he, he suspects him at first, and then so, he sees him at a party, drunk in a bedroom with a girl, yeah. and you think, okay, it's not him then, but it turns out later that that was just a drunken thing, and it was him. So, so let me just clarify. So the film, I think, 
does set up a hierarchy, actually, uh, though, you know, it's kind of uh, very gentle and it kind of is trying to show a diverse way of being gay. Nonetheless, you know, it's all about kind of normalizing it, right? I mean, you know, you do wonder what kind of RuPaul, you know, would have done in a film like this. It's almost like there's no place for a RuPaul <laughs> or someone who even likes RuPaul in this film, which is a shortcoming in the film. Uh, so, so I think, you know, the range of representation, the film tries to show a range of representation and tries to be sympathetic to all of it. But nonetheless, the effect is of a hierarchy in which the white middle class, you know, straight acting in quotation marks boy is, you know, the ideal, really. Uh, and yeah. then I also don't like the way that the film cheats you. Yeah, that kind of, you know, that uh, um, it takes you through all of these possible people of who it could be. Uh, and then it, it cheats on the narrative. I didn't like that. So I didn't like that aspect of cheating. I didn't like the final set piece. Um, and the other thing that I didn't like is once he's outed, um, you know, all his friends get angry at him and drop him. And I didn't like the way that was handled either, you know. I no, think... because the reason that they drop him is because... Um, so he's been blackmailed by this guy who has the, the, the screenshots of his email conversations he wants to keep that secret so he says okay what do you want and the guy says i want you to help me get with this girl mm. uh and in order to do that the main character has to uh sort of fuck with his friend's relationships in order to engineer it so that this guy can kind of get in once it's all revealed that that's what was happening they feel very betrayed yes which i think is fair enough up to a point but then like, there's this kind of he does try and explain like this is what was happening to me yes it gets very difficult. It gets very difficult, and I wish it would have gotten more difficult and a bit messier, you know, but I also think that the film doesn't take an opportunity to make a point with that, because, mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, kind of, the kid is being blamed personally for something that is acted on him socially. If the closet didn't exist, you know, if there was no homophobia, these situations wouldn't arise. So, actually, the friends are blaming him for something that he's really victim to. And I think the film could have done much more complex things and interesting things. That's true, actually. That. That's a really good uh, point. I mean, it's very clean the way that they kind of uh, feel betrayed by him and then uh, sort of forgive him and, and work out their relationships. But it, 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 that all happens pretty much behind the scenes. Like, it's very clean on the surface. And actually, there, there's real meat underneath that. What you say about him being victimized for saying that he's already a victim of, yes. being blamed for something he's already a victim of, um, is a really interesting idea yes and actually it's something that the film could could make something of it doesn't yeah, though but it doesn't i mean um the film has a few good lines i love the drama teacher i loved uh the principal or the vice principal uh you know it's got it's got a few good jokes um around it um but and i did love aspects of the characters of Jennifer Garner as the mother and Josh Duhamel as the father, though there were also moments that I found that, you know, that I, I both loved them and they were cringy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, uh, in, in what way were they, were they cringy to you? Well, I just kind of don't think they were very well done. So the thing about the Josh Duhamel character, I loved, I loved the concept of him. Yeah, that he was, you know, 
that he actually was. Uh, um, he's he's a bit of a bit of a softy. He's he's a softy. He's over emotional. He loves his kids and lets them know. And he's almost like too too much. Yeah. yeah? Uh, you know, so and that could have been like such a wonderful comic premise. But on the outside, he builds himself as more kind of rugged, and he's always making crude jokes to his son. Yeah, about who you know who you've been masturbating and looking at girls' pictures and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, trying to be, you know, trying to forge a friendship with the son and trying to, I suppose, trying to make him feel that he can talk to his father about those things. So obviously, it's having the opposite effect. Mm. I just think there were much more com- comic possibilities in that. Sure, you know, and that actually. I found the aspects of it cringy, really. Um, there, there were three particular moments to me where the where the kid chooses to come out as gay. So um, he he comes out as gay to uh, his new friend, because um, uh, she's been at school for like three and a half months. So uh, so he comes out to her in a car, and then he, later on he says to one of his oldest friends, he says the reason I could come out to her and not you, was because I didn't know her very much. That's right. Which actually, that spoke to me because I remember a friend of mine um, from school who came out as gay to us uh, not long before we left school, for a couple of months before we left school. And I think some of us had kind of suspected it. Certainly no one was completely surprised and no one cared. Mm. But, um, and then he, he sort of went off to university and sort of embraced a, a very different kind of lifestyle mm. that he hadn't at school, which um, to some of us, I think, felt... Uh, Betrayal is a strong word, but it felt like we he'd sort of left us. Do you know yes. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then, look, kind of looking at it from that other perspective, like uh, I, I guess I and what the, what this moment in the film made me think of was that well, no, like the fact that something is new means that you get to embrace this 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 different part of yourself and present yourself slightly differently, um, sort of discover who you are slightly differently. Like I kind of get why he uh, never did that at school with us. Yes, and also I think, you know, those things are fraught because, you know, the risk, you know, and the fear is that of rejection. So obviously the people who you love most are the people yeah. who it's harder to, to, to talk about because there's a greater risk in a way. Um, so that aspect of the order of who he comes out to. Yeah, um, and when he talks to his oldest friend and they kind of, this is after uh, he's been publicly outed and they're kind of reconnecting. And, and this is when she says, why couldn't you ever tell me? Because I've known you for such a long time, it, it would change everything. Um, but then she says, uh, she says, tell me about this boy you're in love with. Yes. And uh, to help me kill the old you. Yes. And he says, well, you don't have to kill him. And he's like, I'm cutting you up with a mental machete. <laughs> Which is a really nice, like, it's obviously incredibly violent, but this is sort of really nice, sweet way of saying, like, I want to know the, who you are. Yes. By killing the old version, but the, I want to know you. you know? The, the film tries to have it both ways, because on the one hand, it's saying, essentially, you're the same, mm. really. So what is this thing about killing the old you? I mean, I am the old me. You know, except there's this other aspect, you know, that I'm letting you in, you know, that, yeah, so I also, I, I mean, it, I like it, that moment. It's, it's, an, it's an exaggerate. it's a joke, it's exaggerated, and it's the way that, I, it felt very authentic to me, it felt like the way that friends talk to each yeah. other. You see, the thing, to me, nothing in the film felt authentic, actually, and I suppose that's my problem. I think it's kind of like a glamorous wish, you know, I mean, my view of, the, of romantic comedies at the moment is, you know, that except for some, like Francis Ha and, you know, things like that, but, you know, the mainstream one, I remember that, I remember saying this about, there was a Ryan Gosling film, I forget what it was called, uh, um, it was a big hit, where it shows his abs, I forget what it's called, <laughs> Crazy Stupid Love, right, in which, you know, 
I think it, to me it illustrated all that was wrong about ro American romantic comedy at the moment. You know, the, and it was that the filmmakers, you know, the, the director didn't believe it, the writers didn't believe it, the actors didn't believe it, and the audience didn't believe it. You know, and we're all participating in this kind of, you know, hyper-real thing where, you know, things are meant to mean something, but actually we all know that they don't. And nonetheless, kind of, you know, we react as we're supposed to react, even if we don't really want to react that way. So, you know, kind of, if you see, like, Lubitsch or Shop Around the Corner, like, everything is funny, but actually you also feel a sense of, yeah, of... of of people feeling love and pain and getting the wrong thing and misunderstanding and you know there there seems something at stake in it. Whereas actually in these films, it's like in a bubble of disbelief. It's almost like yeah. projects engaged in bad faith, really. Now, I Love Simon comes out of a very good place. I'm sure it's you know it's significant to the filmmakers and the people involved and so on. But actually, in terms of how coming out is, how being a teenager is how coming out in high school is, how your first romance is, how, you know, this is all, you know, kind of, I mean, at best, it's wish fulfillment, and at worst, it's just bad faith, really. Like, no, you know, it, it's not like that. It's nobody's experience. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. it might be the way that you wanted it to be, but it's not, but... So it does have that kind of glamorous, should have been, wish it could have been, you know. It does feel more like wish fulfillment to me yeah. than, than uh, bad faith. I mean, it, I, in a way it feels related to uh, what we said about Call Me By, uh, Call Me By Your Name, where we said the thing about this is it's a fantasy. Uh, where, you know, people particularly talked about the, the father character in that film being so forward-looking, like unrealistically so. Yes. But actually, like, this is, this is a kind of, although there's a, a, a melancholy ending to that film... Um, it, there's there's an element of fantasy here where kind of things are are, are better than they might realistically have they been. It might have been, but I get a sense that the writer, you know, believed in in what he was presenting. Yes. You know, okay. uh, whereas kind of I think this feels a lot more artificial, a lot more by numbers. You know. Sure. Oh so, yeah. That's, um, that's that's for sure. So so um, now that said. You know, I kind of I had an enjoyable time, and I'm glad it exists. <laughs> I, I did like the other two. The other two sort of coming out moments I wanted to talk about were were uh, with the parents, um, which are a sort of brief moments really. And the, the kid has already been outed as gay, so the parents know. And this is this, this is actually just when he he speaks to them about it really for the first time, mm. but um, and actually kind of kind of acknowledges it and has a conversation with them. He speaks to his mum and his dad separately. And uh, th those are two moments that I just, I really, really loved. I felt like they were sensitive and they, they were brief, but they, they kind of, particularly the one with the dad. Mm. Uh, the mum you kind of expect, I mean, he's already talked about how his mum is as liberal as you can get and you kind of know that she's just going to be totally fine. And that's, that's how their conversation goes. I welled up a little bit at her speech though. Yes. As well. uh, no, so did I. But the dad especially, because yes. he falls to pieces and he... he he says to the kid, "I love you, and I want you to know that I'm really proud of you." But he can't control sort of how uh, much he's just falling Feeling. apart emotionally, yeah. um, which I thought was just beautiful and really funny as well. And actually, he kind of, he falling apart at that point, and the kid isn't. I kind of wished at some points that the kid cried more at, at those moments, but at that one in particular, I thought it felt uh, it's it handled. I think it's made to be a really funny little yeah. moment where the kids sort of. <laughs> it's the dad who, he, like I say, he's you know, kind of breaking down and the kid is sort of going, okay, chill out, dad. 
I do feel that since um, they didn't cast a, a star, uh, that they should have cast a little bit of a better actor. Mm-hmm. You know, because... I mean, to be fair, I think is it Nick Robinson? Nick Robinson, the, yeah. the kid's name. Yeah. yeah. He's quite good with a line. He, you know, he's able to get laughs, you know, through some of his line readings. But I would, I would, I would have liked more from him. I mean, there were moments where, you know, you wanted greater depth of feeling from him or contradictory feeling or, yeah. you know, like those conversations with the father. Or the, he's so stoic and almost like blank, really, where, I, I mean, I think, you know, uh, nobody's that cool. And actually, there were qualities in the scene that could have been brought out just with a wider range of expression. Yeah, he's not part. complex enough. I mean, that's probably... I think that um, he, he he's good at portraying emotions, but, like, only one at a time, mm. <laughs> you know? Yes. Which, are, which is kind of what the film requires in a way. It's not as complex mm. uh, as, as, as as an artier film yes. would be. It is more mainstream, but, um, but I know what you mean. Um, it also struck me that the whole film... Has a real air of sort of upper middle class privilege. I mean, yes. like the, the the size of this kid's room yes. is astonishingly big, and yes. um, I mean, you see a shot of his house; it's a fucking mansion. This, yes. this kid lives in, like, and this is uh, it's like what is it? I guess it's like a New England sort of. Man, you know, that's place. a trope in American romantic oh, yeah. comedy, it right? Like, is. Kind yeah. of the average home is like. You know, Buckingham Palace. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, like, this is the first one where it really struck me and really made me think. Like, fucking hell, how is it actually like this in America? Because mm. if you shot this film, like, there, there, there could be an equivalent of this story being told in the UK. Houses would not look like this. Well, but I mean, let's say there are differences in the house of the size of houses in America and in Britain, for obvious reasons. But that's still, you know... Yeah, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, sort and of obviously thing. it's meant to be like upper middle class. It's his birthday, he gets a car, yeah. you know... Uh, Not a brand new car, to be fair. It's, it's a slightly no, tatty thing, but it's a know, car nonetheless. It's two professional parents, and, you know, he's got his own car, yeah. and he's, he drives his friends, and, you know, so I think it is, you know, it is meant to be a very privileged yeah. upbringing. Uh, uh, and also the high school that they're going to and the policies in the high school is meant to be very liberal and you know and so yeah. on so um, so I think that's there in the film um, but a lot of films are like that yeah it's, it's, it's a, a kind of film it a problem. I suppose it's a kind of setting that means you can you can focus on one thing as like the problem like if, if, if you're poor as well if the character's poor or, or something like that then um, there's like another kind of set of problems in his life to contend with which would be perfectly legitimate story to tell, but it's just like to keep it simple in a so film like this. Would be a different, I mean, I don't have a. I mean, I'm glad that you you pointed it out because it's true. That is what it is, you know. But the, I but I don't have any. Particular, yeah, I don't, I don't have a uh, problem with problem it. With it's it. just saying that I picked up on. Yes. Yeah. Um. So final verdict. Uh. Well, I, although we've mostly picked out flaws with the film. Yes. Um. I nonetheless really enjoyed it. Really. Yes. Okay. Um. And like I say, it kind of it, it 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 worked on me when it wanted to. You know, it kind of it made me a little weepy at some points. And like, and, it, and the question of authenticity, we can disagree on. I mean, it, it did. It, it felt ultimately like it had a good heart, and everything was uh, uh, aiming sort of in the right direction. Even if oh, that it, I agree. It slightly with. failed here and there. Yeah, no, I think about the aim and the good heart. I agree with the execution. Um, 
you know, mm. uh, 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 I have, uh, uh, I, I think it's not very well done. But However, it is, it is also very mainstream. You've got to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's very mainstream. And actually, I, I suppose my own final feeling is that it's a film that's not aimed at me. It really is aimed at, you know, gay teenagers and young girls. And I almost have no doubt that they will love this and that it yeah. will be a meaningful film for them. I think so. In, in, in some ways, it's rather like A Wrinkle in Time, which you saw the other day, where, which we said about that, or I said about that at least. Like, isn't it good that uh, young people of colour have a rubbish fantasy film of their own? Yes. <laughs> and and this, is, this is not rubbish. This is uh, this better. Is better. Than, better than, <laughs> but nonetheless, it has that kind of feeling of like, isn't it nice that gay kids have a, have a similar film yeah, of their no, own? Yeah, no, that's true. In that respect, I agree. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're on Twitter uh, at Eavesdrop Movies. We're on Facebook. Uh, we've got a website, eavesdroppingatmovies.com, which is just all the episodes. Um, uh, obviously, we're on iTunes and, and SoundCloud. And um, yeah, you can like email us, eavesdroppingatmovies at gmail.com, I think. We never yes. get emails, but you know. You could be the well, first. Well, we, uh, I mean, what's <laughs> happening is that we get we get kind of like private emails saying, oh, I really like this or I really like that. Whereas actually, I suppose one of the things that we, we, we look forward to and we would like to have is kind of like a public discussion on yeah. these films. Uh, so uh, do uh, uh, comment on, on any of these venues if there's something that you want to say or you'd like to have a conversation with us about. Yeah. Did you feel it lacked uh, someone eating cum out of a fruit? I... Bear in mind it's a 12 hour. No, like, <laughs> you know, and maybe I should have talked a little bit about this. because the thing is, if you want, we're still recording. Well, I love teen films. I love 10 Things That I Hate About You and Cruel Intentions and so on. You know, and I think they're, they're funny and they're glamorous and they're sophisticated, right? And they're much better than this. Sure. Right. So, and yet they're all within that vein, like, you know, that kind of budget, people who are about to be stars but are not quite yet, or people who were once stars but, you know, are no longer quite shining as much, right? Mm. You know, these are the films where people like Reese Witherspoon and Heath Ledger made their start and so on, right? So, but but I love those films. Um, I just think this one, you know, it wasn't as, as complex enough and it wasn't as witty enough, really. You know, I think there were dimensions to the story that were not dramatized and filmed properly. Like, could have been better. Yeah, I think that it... Th there's a possibility it will go down as some people's favorite film, but that'll be because of the representation as opposed to the actual quality of the filmmaking That's and the right. storytelling. That's right. Um, or even what it does with genre, mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not the best example of its genre. Though, if you look at it as a, you know, as a gay coming out teen film... I can't really think of another, so this has to be the best. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah.